Welcome to Bloombox Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. And we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome to Bloombox Growing Deeper. Are you ready to talk about spring? I am. I love spring. It's one of my favorite seasons. So let's get right into it because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to spring. Specifically, we're talking about spring cleanup, which it's a topic that we get a lot of questions about and and people really want to get it right. They do. And it's really a pretty simple thing, but there's all sorts of talk about not doing it too early for the pollinators. And that seems to make people nervous that they could do it wrong. Yes. And one thing to keep in mind we're talking here on Blue Box Growing Deeper is that we are not trying to shame you if you do clean up too early or whatever it is. So, but we are going to try to give you some guidance. So we did get a question from a listener. Sarah, will you share that question with us? I will. This question is from Jill. She says, I have heard many, many times about the value of leaving plant debris through the winter for the insects, etc. I completely get and understand that but I have never heard anyone address when it is safe to take down the old plant material in the spring. If too early, I assume we would kill what has wintered over, but I don't know. Is there a critical time? Is a warm day in February too soon? And I would say a warm day in February is too soon. But I sympathize with your desire to get outside, Jill, and I still recommend you go. Just don't clean up yet. Yes. And we can talk about some things that are going to be okay for you to do in that warm day in February if you need to. Real quick, I would just say a couple of things. Watering, especially if it's been dry, get out there and water any new trees that you planted. I can't believe you're saying that. That's so odd to hear, but it has been so true this winter. We in Nebraska are so dry. Very dry. Mm -hmm. So that would be one thing that you can do if you want to get outside in the winter. Uh, But we're going to talk specifically about spring cleanup. So Sarah, when would you say is a good time to start? So I typically tell folks late April, the numbers is that you want at least a week of days over 50 degrees. And for us, that just tends to happen late April. Um, you, You know your area best and your farmer's almanac can help you if you don't know the numbers, but you want to have a week of days over 50 degrees because that has signaled anything that's overwintering in the leaves and stuff that that's kind of when they're going to start coming out anyway on their own. And then that leaves you free to clean stuff up without worrying about any critters. Mm-hmm. And like you said, in Nebraska or in our, our part of Nebraska, at least the southeast True, area. not even all of Nebraska. Right. Then late April is, is about the best time. We tell people to start looking for those dates maybe around tax day. Yeah. So get your taxes in and then you can start looking at gardening, right? But I guess what I should have said with February is too late is it's too or too early is that February is too early for here. Right. Because <laughs> depending on where you're at, February might be the best time. So it may be ideal. I mean, I don't even know what's going on, say, in Texas or some other Florida. Um, And I I don't have a ton to speak on on seasonal cleanup where you don't get that clear four seasons. 
this really is directed at places where we do. We get a clear winter where stuff is um, dormant, dormant, and where any critters that stick around are hibernating. And then we get a clear spring when it's time to wake everything back up. And then we get a clear summer. In theory. In theory. There's fake spring and fake fall. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Mud season. Yeah. So one point I want to make that I just heard in Jill's question is maybe this concern that she could not do it on time and be too late. And I just want to put some uh, peace on that. You can't do it too late. We really are cleaning up our gardens for ourselves. Right. Because we want like the aesthetic with the exception of just a few plants that, you know, f- will be the healthiest if they get cleaned up. We're really doing it for us. And so you can't do it too late. Yeah, there's only a few things I could think of that really need that on-time annual attention. Um, And we'll talk about those. But one thing that I do want to put out there is my iris. I make sure and get the leaves and debris cleaned up around that pretty early. It's one of the first things I do. Just because when it starts, you get those spring showers, hopefully. Um, the leaves start to rot out around those and it, it does impact the iris rhizome. So there's one thing that I would say. Yeah. If you're looking for one thing to start with and you only have 10 minutes, there's a good one. And honestly, iris may even be the exception to the April date. Because yeah. I know with our warm December we got this last winter, I had iris shoots coming up that I'm sure froze right back off. But... They get going pretty early. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what happens if we do clean up too early? Let's just address that. You know, like you said, the point of this wouldn't be to shame anybody who does choose to clean up early or who that's the time they have available to do their cleanup. Um, But for those who are trying to specifically create habitat in their yards, what happens if we do clean up too early? Right. So these debris that we leave whatever that is leaves twigs can be a lot of different things is really important to shelter not just pollinating insects but even think about the little mammals and birds who need that to nest um, and even squirrels who need it to nest right so i think that's one of the most important things to keep in mind is that all of those leaves and twigs and so they are used by something so make sure that if you are cleaning up you recognize that that's the case so especially if you decide that you want to clean up early you want to get it off your grass or something or your iris or whatever it is try to leave a couple areas if you can that is less going to be less impactful to your gardening style yeah or even Um, Just move that stuff to an area where you don't mind leaving it sit. Just because you clean up a spot doesn't mean you have to take that debris off your property or send it to the landfill. You can just move it back to, you know, the back of the garage or or somewhere where you can leave it to compost. And sure, you disturbed it a little bit, but there's going to be plenty that still is nice and cozy warm in there for the rest of the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about my cone flowers because they're yeah. a really tall sturdy stalk and they they kind of stand out through the winter and i like them for that winter texture and stuff but it could be tempting to cut them back in the fall just you know get a clean fresh look 
but all winter I've seen these little finch birds out there pecking out the seeds and they're so fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with the coneflowers. I see the same thing on my joe pie because oh. my big long stalks of joe pie stick around all winter and there's all kinds of things still visiting that plant and it is just fun to have it yeah. too. It, when it frosts or snows, you get to see, the, you can see it up close. Yes. And uh, one thing I do want to say too, for people who don't have the option of just leaving everything completely as is for the winter maybe you have a homeowners association with opinions or you're working in a public garden site um, where you just have so much to do in the spring you can't leave it all we know that our native pollinators our native bees primarily that nest in hollow stems do so in the bottom nine inches and so there's some things that i just know can't handle a snow load and they're just going to end up flopping in my driveway cut them back to like 18 inches in the fall so I'm still leaving the habitat part of the plant but I have cleaned up the aesthetic a little bit um, for me it's so that that plant doesn't flop in my way but if you're in a public garden it might be for public perception or to save yourself a little time in your busy spring season yeah and if you absolutely can't leave it then that's where we recommend doing some of those man-made person-made bee hotels or pollinator hotels They're, they come with all different types of names and i'm sure we'll talk about those more at some point and how best to care for them in a in a different episode but it is a good way to provide habitat if you can't keep the plants that you want to there right so that's all the reasons for the the critters and the wildlife but we've already talked about soil in right. a previous episode and so it's important to remember that those that plant debris isn't just habitat. It's also building your soil. Yeah, one of the things that <laughs> sometimes I wish I could just stop and talk to people in their yards. I guess I could, but I'm trying not to be too judgy, right? Is I always see these people who are constantly trying to get grass to grow under their trees, right? constantly they're always seeding it they're doing all these different things and then i see them in the fall and they rake up 25 bags of leaves and put them out to go to the city compost and i just want to be like there's your problem it, grass maybe probably won't grow under that tree anyways but you're not supporting it well if you're just getting rid of all of those leaves every year right and so much the same you see people who almost you know very diligently get every leaf out of their grass mm -hmm. they're raking they're mowing but then those same people are back in the spring aerating and and fertilizing and overrunning their sprinklers and uh it's because nothing is coming back into the soil we're removing all the possible organic matter so leave the leaves so before we talk about the specifics of cleanup, let's talk about how much we each plan to do. <laughs> I, you know, I get excited to get out in my garden in the spring. So it's always like April, May. I have these, well, after spring and fair, let's just say that it's May. So that's when I get really excited to, and I have these big dreams <laughs> of what I'm going to do. So I do definitely start by 
getting rid of last year's tall shoots like my joe pie and my cone flowers and things like that i'll cut those back because by that time usually early may mid-may things have all gone out of those so i can definitely cut those back and get ready for the new growth um then it's a lot of mulching where it needs to be mulched especially in beds that maybe i planted in the fall they need a little more spring mulching um, but then, uh, frankly, I still leave the leaves. <laughs> I don't usually pick up a lot unless it's an area that needs to be, um, try to make it look tidier in my areas of my garden that are around my neighbors. So like my edges to my neighbors, I try to be a good neighbor. So I clean up those areas to the degree that my neighbors do so that they feel like I'm respecting their space and our boundaries, right? So those, those are kind of some of the main things that I focus on. Yeah, and I will say Spring Affair probably is the main reason I have so much habitat in my yard. It would be so hard to keep myself from just doing anything I could think of to be out in the garden all April. But, you know, I'm just too busy. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is May by the time I get out there. And that's the perfect, that's perfect for my yard. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned maybe some different uh, garden priority areas where you treat with a little different style. Absolutely. So can you talk about the different areas of your garden of your yard and how you defined what you'll do to those spaces? Yes. So my backyard especially is home to me and my husband and my dog. So I have to prioritize what I do back there based on what's going to withstand a, a 70 to 80 pound dog <laughs> and his musings of what he decides to do and kind of what we want to see back there. It's where our patio is. It's where we like to eat dinner when it's nice out. So um, I prioritize that area when it comes to cleaning up debris in the inside where where our grass is but around the fence line there's a good probably five feet between my yard and my fence line that's just full of various plants depending on what side of the yard it is gotta be honest i don't think i've ever picked up anything in there besides pulling out some invasives and cleaning up a a couple of plants and things i planted a tree other than that i just leave it yeah. And it's it's full of ferns. So those ferns die back every year, right? And I have never cleaned up the dead leaves. Well, those them. ferns, they just love that rich, loamy, organic soil. Mm-hmm. That's just the perfect place for them. Right. So then, like I said, I, on my outsides, my edges where my neighbors are, I try to keep that closer to what I see them doing in their, in their yards. So that that way they're not always, you know, oh, she can't clean up her yard or something like that. Although my neighbors are pretty, they're pretty low key too. So that's handy. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I prioritize. How do you prioritize? Well, for me, it's, it's more about where we have worked so far. Mm-hmm. We're kind of working our way around our backyard and this spring, we're going to start doing some front yard planting. So our, my first priority goes to the spaces that we have worked on and we're happy with. And then, you know, I'm really not happy with the front yard at all because we haven't worked there. So I, I just kind of leave that for last. And this year it'll be about how to clean up that bed to plant again. But in the backyard, we have 
areas that are mostly native plants and we have areas where we've used less natives and are a little more formal. And that also dictates what I do. So I have a little sedge meadow in a full shade spot and I don't touch it. It doesn't need me. It's sedges and uh, Jacob's Ladder. Mm. And they are perfectly happy living in their own past leaves <laughs> and incorporating that into the soil in the shady garden. So I don't touch those. I might rake out some trash because it does just the where it is. That's where the wind blows in some trash into our yard. And then we have some areas that are, you know, maybe more traditional plants with some space in between them. So we do cut those back and re come back in and refill with mulch. And then I have an area that's a little bit of mix of both. And we're going for a very meadow look with it. So um, it, it's mostly pretty fine textures. And so my plan, it's, we only planted it last fall. So my plan this year is to get a, I'm gonna say it wrong, a sigh. Is that correct? Oh, like the, the knife you swing. Oh, I have no idea. Like what you would cut down wheat with in the Sh Middle Ages. Sure. <laughs> I will look it up. I believe you say it's sigh. Okay. And it's just kind of a, a knife that you swing. And so we don't have the right kind of weed whacker. Like a curved one? Yeah. Garden kind of. ones are sometimes straight. Oh, okay. Yeah, they can be curved too. We don't have the right kind of weed whacker. I would use that. And I'm just going to whack it all back a few inches from the ground, just all in one go. I'm not going to pick out like this plant I'll cut back to this height and this plant I'll cut back to this height. We picked them all to kind of blend together. Please take a video. I will. <laughs> I should say my front yard, I have a big ash tree in it that's getting removed due to emerald ash borer. So that's also a reason why I haven't really done anything up there because I knew it was going to have to right. come out and I don't want to invest the time when it's going to go from full shade to full sun and you know tree care folks have to get in there so they they can't just avoid every plant yeah <laughs> so I'm waiting that'll come out soon and then hopefully I'll be putting in some new plants and new trees plus it'll completely change the conditions of your front yard absolutely yeah so that's going to be really interesting and it's one of the things that is making me feel okay about it because I'm really sad to see my tree go and I just have to remind myself but it it gives new opportunity new yes. plants new trees we'll get them going and you live on a pretty well treed street anyway so it's not like you're losing the one source of shade yes yeah it's one of i think seven trees in my yard yeah so. <laughs> if we lost a tree we'd be in sad shape because yeah. we only have we have two crab apples and one big maple we just planted well we planted a buckley oak when we moved in yeah, of because course. the buckleys have to have a buckley oak and then last summer we planted a catalpa so we're waiting on those but they're still pretty little yeah mm-hmm uh, yeah, so that's a, one of the reasons why we waited in our front yard to plant. We started in the backyard, even though we're the only ones who see it. We, wait, we wanted to kind of get our practice back there and learn more about what kind of soil we had in our yard and stuff. Because we know that when we do the front yard, it is going to be really important to us that we're adding beauty to the whole street and the whole neighborhood. And we really want to do it well. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, you want to be the change makers. We do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of our favorite garden cleanup 
tools. Okay. We've talked about the tasks we plan to do. So what do you plan to do that with? You know, I use very few (laughs) tools, honestly, besides my two hands. So a good pair of gloves. I Some gardeners like gloves, some don't. I like a good pair of leather gloves because I never know what I'm sticking my hands into and I don't like getting poked. So when I first moved to this house, there was a rose bush that was just everywhere so I never knew when I was going to stick my hands down in to clean something up and hit spikes so a good pair of leather gloves for me is a good um, I I think that's what I need I of course have you know a dandelion or I that's what people call it I don't use it for dandelions but a weed Stabber. it's like two pronged yeah. yeah I don't know what they're called um I haven't gotten a whole lot of use out of hose, but lots of people like those. Um, So those are my main, and I'm weird. I also (laughs) wear protective eyewear. Oh, yes. We've had this conversation. (laughs) Just Just because I find that I am constantly getting poked in the eye, and it is just a a problem that I have. I, I guess nobody else does because I've asked around and everyone's like, no, that is not a thing. So I get poked a lot. So I put on goggles. Well, I think that's smart. I can't say that I can sympathize with the experience, but I think you're smart for solving it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bother me to wear goggles. So I'll just I wear it. a lot of sunglasses. I'm one of those people that barely goes outside without my sunglasses on. So maybe that's just protecting me and I didn't notice. Yeah. And that leads to another good, what other garden tools for me, it's definitely a sun hat, mm-hmm. sunscreen, because otherwise I burn quick. Yeah. And those spring days can be misleading because it might not be real hot yet, but the, the sun is still out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I don't like to have so many tools that I can't just pick them up and move them with me. So I have a good pair of pruners and it usually just lives in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um that you do want to check before you sit down. <laughs> I've, I've had some experiences where I forgot my pruners were in my back pocket. Um, I like my weed or dandelion digger. And I like a good, uh, what would you call it? Like loppers. Yes. Like for yeah. cutting. Because I will, I'm, I like my, my small number of tools. And so I will be out there trying to hack through something with my hand pruners and realize I probably just should have gone for the loppers and I could have been done already. Yeah, I do a lot of lopping as well. Yeah, especially the big twigs that fall throughout the winter from my tree or something. And then I want to break them down for kindling. Yeah. Then the loppers work well for that. They do. I don't use a hoe a whole lot either. I feel like that... They're really meant for, like, clearing ground. Mm-hmm. And so in your vegetable garden, probably pretty important, but you do raise beds, so that changes that story. And my vegetable garden just so happens to be raised by a retaining wall in our backyard, so it would be very awkward to try to hoe it. You use a pitchfork more than I ever thought I would. They're um, great for mulch. They're super great for mulch. I don't People are trying to use shovels for mulch. I'm like, what are you doing? Get a pitchfork. Yeah. So. And turning compost. Mm-hmm. Yep. I use a pitchfork more than I thought I would. Mm. What else? Well, I, ta- I briefly mentioned weed whackers. Yes. And if you have one where you can put a solid plastic blade on it, I, I know there's an appropriate term for the difference between those two versus the string. 
that solid blade you can use to cut back a lot of perennials and it can do quite a bit. Um, but the string ones that you just use for getting grass, they aren't really, you're just going to get things wound up in it. It's not really going to cut back your perennials. So if you are somebody who's either planted a huge habitat area or you're maintaining public size landscapes, that may be a really good investment. Yeah, I do love a weed whacker. I love a power tool. I just don't, <laughs> I don't use them too frequently. Right. What else? So we haven't got to grasses yet. Okay. But one tool that I don't have yet and I plan to buy this year because we planted a lot of grass last fall is a grass knife. Yes. And people may call this by different terms, but I've always called it a grass knife. It's a really largely serrated knife and it usually folds in half, kind of like a pocket knife would, but it's about a foot, foot and a half long. And it is fantastic for hacking through you know you can just like take a piece of twine and tie your grass into a bundle and then saw it off at the bottom yeah we're talking ornamental grass big, yes big grasses not your lawn not your lawn <laughs> no <laughs> like your we planted a bunch of big blue stem and some miscanthus and mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. i'm getting ready to cut back i planted some but it was in the fall so they don't oh quite so they're not going to be ready yeah, they're for not you. ready yeah Another tip I would add to grasses is probably not such a big deal with blue stem, but if you've got anything like elephant grass, long sleeves tucked into your gloves, rubber band, don't forget your hat, that stuff shreds like crazy and you will feel like you just rolled in insulation. Oh no. It just kind of splinters as you're cutting it and all those little seeds start shaking off <laughs> and you'll be itching for a while so get a hazmat protect suit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> not quite that far. Not, not quite that far yeah. just make sure whatever you're wearing you can brush it off before mm -hmm. stuff gets to your skin mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point um because i think a lot of people don't realize that our native grasses need that every year they do yeah. need cut back and turned over a little bit they are, when we talked about that list of the few things that really do need cleaned up, grasses, especially our natives, like they're designed to be burned and grazed regularly in a prairie setting. And in our yards, we usually don't want either of those no, things No, I don't recommend burning in your yard. Or bringing in a <laughs> buffalo that no. your neighbors might not. What about your bunny, don't. Sarah? Um, she can eat a lot. I'm not sure she can eat that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your dog eats some things. He, he does. He, he likes he likes to eat grass. In fact, one of my sedges, he ate all the way back to the ground last summer. I had wow. to I had to stop. I don't know. He gets excited. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a few things I have to protect, but he'll eat some grass if you let him. Well, maybe you can rent him out to graze. A goat might be doable. <laughs> yeah. I feel like some towns wouldn't completely frown on a goat. Like you said, you got to rent it because yeah, he true. won't have enough for all year round. A backyard goat. That sounds wonderful. I don't know. I used to work with goats. It sounds terrible to me, but <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy petting goats. I would love to have a sheep, but they eat everything. So do goats. True. They climb everything. Oh, true. They would climb stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no goats. I'll keep my sights on my backyard bees. There you go. I like that. 
So, yeah, if you if we don't clean up our grasses, more than likely one season they're not going to die. Over time they will. That The crown is so thick. The crown where the plant meets the ground and turns into roots of grasses is so thick that the first year, if you didn't clean them up, they'd probably still grow. But you wouldn't get them growing in a nice, tall, straight bunch like you, you planted them to be. And then over time, if you didn't clean them up, they would probably rot themselves out. Yeah, so if you have a grass that is supposed to grow that way and you haven't been cutting it back and you're thinking, why is this getting so bushy and sticking out to the sides? That's there's why. There's your problem. And if you have a grass that's gotten to that point and needs a refresher, it's maybe a good time to divide it. And that mm. grass knife is really also great for dividing stuff. You can kind of dig up the root ball and just saw it in half. That's awesome. Just goes right through. Yep. Cool. So what do you think about mulching? What are your feelings on mulch? Because that's something that I do a lot of in the spring and actually throughout the summer. How do you handle mulching? Well, we get a truckload from a local nursery, which definitely makes me feel better about mulching. If I had to go to the garden center and buy in a whole bunch of plastic bags, that would make it even harder for me to want to do. I don't like to do it because I feel like it's extra work and it's not mulching too heavy and too often can be hard on our native perennials that want a little more drainage. And it also means we're covering covering up bare soil that provides nesting areas for bees. So I have mixed feelings about it. But my husband, who I share my yard with and who I compromise on things with often, really likes the clean, fresh look that it gives in the spring and that it slows down weeds coming up so that we, you know, have the capacity to stay on top of them. Because without mulch... It can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are, in new fresh plantings, mulch is super important for holding in moisture so that those plants have a chance to establish. So I do mulch. We kind of go back to those areas of priority and, you know, my sedge meadow, no mulch in there. It's not necessary. But in especially our new plantings, we're definitely mulching in between the, the plants that are still maturing. Yeah, I'm in the same place as you. I definitely mulch those newer beds, the beds that haven't completely filled in yet. But the other spots that are full of plants, they don't need mulched quite as much. And I go get the free mulch that the city of Lincoln puts out. So there's a few spots throughout the city in their city parks where they have mulched old Christmas trees and their... um, branches that have come down in their parks from storms or or trees that they needed to trim and they just leave it there in a pile and it's free back up to it and you just scoop it in to your you know whatever your car I take that home and I mulch with that it's not always the cleanest mulch there's things in it so you sometimes I'm picking out pieces of metal or or plastic that need to come out but it's free yeah Uh, so that's that's always nice when it is an area that I want to look really nice um say I'm having a party or something I will go and buy a couple bags of nice uniform mulch cleaner looking yeah cleaner looking and I put that around the edges you know people expect certain things so what that's really neat i didn't i don't live in lincoln i live in a smaller town nearby so we don't have that option is that pretty typical of cities do you think to have 
mulch available or i don't know how typical it is i know that they reserve some for themselves right. for their own garden mulching for the playgrounds and things like that so i think it's usually what's left over um unfortunately in in lincoln we've had a lot of tree limbs and trees come down due to storms or whatever it might be so there's been a lot of mulch they don't promise you i mean they're they're not going to buy mulch right, <laughs> if there's right. not any left for the season i don't know how typical it is but it is a great service that lincoln offers and i think they've done a really good job of advertising their christmas tree recycling program yes and a lot of those christmas trees go into that mulch great well if you do live in a city that might be something to look into depending on you know if it's a city with plenty of trees or a good christmas tree pickup program that might be available yeah and the city of lincoln has a map of where to go to get it it's not the dump if you go to the dump that's their mulch and they ah, will get they, mad at you they do not want you to take that mulch. <laughs> so i'll put a, a map that a link to that map in the show notes awesome well, so we've talked about a couple ways to get mulch. We pick it up, we go to a local nursery that scoops it with a front loader into the back of our pickup bed, but not everybody drives pickups. So, I don't drive a pickup. Right. So let's talk about other ways. I've, I've definitely hauled mulch in some interesting <laughs> vehicles. So tell us how you, when you go pick up that free mulch, how are you getting it in your car? Yeah. And what does that look like? So I have a Ford Focus hatchback which a hatchback is great for this mm -hmm. type of situation. And that's one of the reasons why I got a hatchback is because I knew I would want to do this kind of stuff with it. And then I put down a tarp, a big tarp. I get just a really big tarp. And I scoop right into the middle of that tarp. And then I kind of fold it over when I, um, when I have a full load so that it covers the whole pile of mulch. And also, thankfully, the pile closest to me is like two blocks away oh that's nice <laughs> i don't know how i lucked out with that so it's a pretty quick trip for me uh and then i can actually just pull that tarp the whole tarp i just pull it out of my car onto the driveway nice or into my wheelbarrow or whatever it is so that i can take it around to where i need to go a lot of my neighbors do just work with tree care companies to get a truckload of mulch just dropped in their driveway. Right. A lot of cities, tree care companies have to pay a fee to drop off their wood chips. So if they've been taking down limbs, often you can ask them to come dump a load. And the caveat is you have, have to take the whole load. So yeah. it's not like I need two yards of mulch. Can you drop some off? It's I'll take your whole load. And it's often very cheap, if not free, because you're saving them the trip out to the dump and the fee for... Yeah. dumping especially if you can coordinate with a neighbor who is getting a tree trimmed yes <laughs> it's just right across the street or something well that pretty much that whole conversation was wood mulch related, yes but yes. it's not the only kind of mulch there is so let's talk some other options are we talking good options? <laughs> Let's start with the good options. Okay. All right. So lots of people use straw mm -hmm. or some people use straw. That's another pretty good option to start out with. Yes. I wouldn't use straw every year, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? I think of straw as if you planted a garden and your goal is to have no mulch. Mm -hmm. but like we've said, when you plant a new garden, you can't go no mulch right away because you need to help with moisture containment while those plants mature. So straw is a great option because it will 
biodegrade a lot faster into the soil than wood chips if your goal is to do that whole ground covered with plants. I usually recommend straw for people who have told me that that's their plan. You just want to make sure you get straw of good quality. And not hay. Yes, not hay. <laughs> there is a difference. Hay is for horses. Straw is for your garden. Right. Or horse stalls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On the floor. Uh, so there's another option. I, one that we've talked about a lot, especially in western Nebraska, has been pine mulch. I am in love with pine mulch after seeing it at the plaza planting and garing that we helped do. Uh, it's so fluffy and just, you know, I, happy looking in the spring. Mm-hmm. And it, it the cool thing about it is at first when it's put down, it's very fluffy. It's kind of red, but it doesn't take very long into the season for it to kind of pack down and lose its color and fade into the background. Kind of right as the plants are ready to showcase themselves more and are blooming and greening up and stuff. Right. And for clarification, pine needle mulch is what we're talking oh, about. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Pine wood mulch would fall in the first category. Yeah. 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 Um, so those are a couple of good options. Can you think? I think that covers the good ones. Pretty much. I've used grass clippings. Yeah. I, I do that a lot in my vegetable garden. Same. Um, you just kind of want to make sure you haven't used a lot of chemical on your yard and maybe you don't have a ton of weeds in your yard that you don't want to be transplanting into your garden. Right. So then there are a few options that we would label don't do. Right. <laughs> or or do in very specific circumstances. Right. So one of those that is very popular is rocks or pebbles or river rock or whatever it is. So what do you think about that? If you're planting a Zarek rock garden, go for it. If you live in Arizona, go for it. Mm -hmm. If you live in Nebraska and are not planting a rock garden, don't. Right. Even I think about, I know a lot of people who want to use like river rock or what is it, pond, you know, the little pond in water ways or rain gardens. And then I I point out, go and look at a stream in Nebraska. They don't have pebbles or rocks or things like... They have plants in them. Right. Like you might see in in other places that do have that. Yeah. So um, that's not super practical here. So let's start with the completely impractical use, and that would be a regular landscape bed mulched with a river rock. No. But you see it so often, especially (laughs) in developments, and it just... uh, (laughs) where, Where I see it the most is... Also, the absolute worst place right around the foundation of your house. Yes. So the problems with oh, no. rock. Heat. Those rocks are going to soak up all the heat from the sun, and they're going to store it. And they're going to reflect it right back on your plants and on your house. So I guess if you want a really high air conditioning bill in the summer, <laughs> river rock away. <laughs> but it can be really hard on your plants, that amount of heat being reflected back on them. And kind of like combined with that is the rocks aren't doing anything to help hold moisture in the soil like a wood chip mulch would be doing. So now you have this plant that's baking in the sun and is having no help holding moisture in the soil. Yes. So we're just going to say probably no rocks. Yeah. Very few instances would we say yes. So what's another one? The one I can think of that drives me crazy rubber mulch 
This was news to me. I really hadn't seen that outside of like, you know, a playground where I, I understand the purpose. And we're not talking about that. Where have you seen this? I have seen people use it in their gardens. Why? I don't know. Oh, I I have no idea. The only things I can think of is that people like that it doesn't break down. Okay. Because they don't have to replace it every year. But I find that mulch, even rubber mulch, will wash away and uh-huh. all the so it's so floatable. <laughs> yeah. And then the other reason is that it it's all the same color. <laughs> oh. So that it, it looks like all clean and right. uniform. Well, and they're like, I could get all red mulch. I'm like, why do you want red mulch? And yeah. Some people do. I could also see maybe it's affordable and readily available as a recycled product. Yeah, it's definitely a lot lighter. Too, okay. if you have to carry it. Yeah. I just, I can't and get behind it. Normally, I'm all for recycled products, but mulch in our gardens performs so many more functions than just looking pretty. Um, we're not saying don't have your garden look pretty, just to be very clear. But the mulch does so many more things than that. And if prettiness is all you're focused on, you'll have trouble maintaining that garden. So, the rubber mulch, again, may v- do very little to hold water in the soil. It can't break down into nutrients for your plants. In fact, it's probably preventing anything else from falling on that spot and breaking down into nutrients. It's floating away, and then we end up with rubber in our waterways and all sorts of other places where you didn't want it. I have seen rubber mats used yeah. around, like, fruit bushes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think on a very temporary basis, I can sort of understand that. But again, there's essentially blocking any water from getting into the soil there and any organic matter from getting into the soil there. So it just wouldn't be my choice. Mm-hmm. So can you think of any other mulches to avoid? I don't think so. The problem is I avoid them. <laughs> I will say one quick word about the weed mat that people put mm. under the rocks is often as much, if not more, of a problem than the rocks themselves. Yes. Because it's so hard for water to get through there. And it will temporarily, you know, keep a few weeds down. But eventually there's going to be soil on top of that weed mat. Mm-hmm. And so you're just going to have weeds growing there. Yeah. But really, it, it just completely tries to separate the soil from the rest of the environment. And soil is meant to be a part of the rest of the environment. Exactly. All right. That was a lot about mulch. So much about mulch. So let's go on to a different form of wood material, actual trees and shrubs. We're going to cover this real briefly because Mm -hmm. we're not tree trimming experts. We're not arborists. That's if you need a tree trimmer um, or someone who's an expert on that, the person you're looking for is an arborist. So we'll keep it mostly to the shrubs and, Mm -hmm. and other really sturdy plants. And if you do need an arborist, find your state arborist association and look up. Most of those have a a place where you can look up all the arborists in your area that are certified. And that's a great place to start if you're trying to find someone. Right. So I have lilac bushes. I love lilacs. In my yard. They predate me. They were there from the previous owner. And when I, that's the first time I've ever had lilac. So I really had to do some research (laughs) on how to properly take care of them. And one of the things that I learned is the best time to trim and prune them them is right after they bloom. So once all of those blooms kind of die back, 
you want to go in and snip and and prune the way you'd like it to be and lilacs can be pruned quite a bit they can be pruned back really far each year if you need to i wouldn't do it back to back years but especially if you're starting to see a lack of blooms the way you want it to um take a year where you just really cut it back pretty far and you'll notice in the next year two maybe three that it will come back better than ever okay you have inspired me i have lilacs growing in my alley Mm -hmm. and i love them but since they don't really affect me out there i've never thought to prune them except one time when they tried to overgrow my rhubarb patch and you don't mess with my rhubarb patch so Mm -hmm. that one got whacked back Yes, you don't mess with my rhubarb patch either. (laughs) Gotta defend that. Mm -hmm. What about, do you have any other woodies that you're trying to keep pruned? I don't have a ton that I need to keep pruned, other than mostly I'm cutting out um, seedling trees. Yeah. We, when we bought our house, it had not been maintained very well to keep tree seedlings from coming up. And we have a lot of oaks and walnuts around us, so... We're working on that. Yeah, if you don't give it out there to pull in time, then you got to start cutting. All right. So what can we do while we're waiting to clean up? Because it's only March right now. We're trying to wait like two or three more weeks. So I'll go back to watering Uh for sure. If you're in an area where you haven't gotten the precipitation that you should over the winter, make sure to get out there and start watering. So that's a really good place to start. And I thought you brought up a good point with your sedge meadow. We all end up with some kind of trash or garbage or something that blows in. So pick that up. Right. That's that's not (laughs) helping anything. So Yeah. So get out there and clean that up. Um, Those are a couple of things that I can think of just off the top of my head. I'm planning to do some cleanup in my compost Mm. area because I also inherited... We've only been in our house for a little over two years and... I really, really want to reclaim that compost for myself to to create, you know, something to add to my garden. But it's been a dumping ground for like any branches that got pruned when we didn't have time to run to the dump. And we're really lucky in our town. We have a an open drive up dump where we can add to the compost pile. And then I the city maintains that and keeps it composting and chips anything woody. So we know it's a good place to take stuff. We just need to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because I have run into that same issue where some of my twigs have ended up in my compost and I need to get them cleaned up and cut to the right size for our outdoor fire place or our indoor fire our stove. So those are all good things that right. you can do this time of year. We've also got a rain barrel that needs mm-hmm. cleaned out. So, you know, every once in a while they get kind of scummy. Yes. So I need to get that cleaned out and ready to go. Mm-hmm. We can think about any insect houses or bird houses we're planning to put out and do the research on. Every bird species has a different kind of house and placement and same with insects. So And bird feeders. And bird feeders. So we can mm-hmm. pick out that kind of stuff and do the research on where to place it. And then finally, what I like to do in the spring, I guess this isn't really an outdoor thing but you can make it an outdoor thing is to dream yes (laughs) look at your garden beds start deciding kind of what things you want where what if you're trying to overhaul something what you might do in that area or if you have a plant that's just not doing well and you need to replace it what do you want to replace it with 
it's just a good time to go out and look around and go, ah, that could be this. Yes. And take some measurements because you'll be at the garden center and really wishing you had measured an area before. So I know there's all kinds of apps you can get now where you can put measurements in and save your garden beds and keep an inventory. I like a pencil and a piece of graph paper, mm-hmm. but that's just me. So I try to get out and get measurements for places I'm going to plant so that when I get sucked into that, you know, spur of the moment plant shopping, which never happens, (laughs) I have my measurements ready to go. And finally, now is a great time to get your vegetable starts going. If you choose to grow those by seed and choose to grow vegetables, you can get those going inside. Yeah. So get, get your vegetable starts germinating. All right. And our end of the episode question, what plant is on your mind this week, Hannah? So the plant that's on my mind is something that I'm looking forward to seeing how it does because it'll be a second growing season in my yard and it is my service berry. Oh, I'm really I'm so excited for it. It's a it's a plant that I've always wanted and I planted it last spring. I picked it up at Spring Fair, of course. <laughs> so I got it planted. And unfortunately, I didn't do a great job of keeping it watered. Oh. So it got a little wilty. And so I'm hoping that that doesn't impact it super long term, though it could. So I just am excited to see how it kind of comes back and what it looks like. By the end of the summer into the fall, it was looking good again. Good. So I'm hoping that that's a good sign. And how about you? What are you most looking forward to this week or what plants are on your mind? Well, mine's also a plant that I planted last year, my catalpa tree. I actually planted it. I'm trying to remember. Um, It was the day we had a quote done on a new door. And the the guy who came to do the quote was like, what are you planting? So I think it was October, maybe early November we planted it. And I love, love, love catalpas for their big leaves and they're amazing flowers they have these like white and purple big clusters of flowers and they just like they're native here to the southeast part of the state they don't go too far into the northern or western part of nebraska but they look tropical Mm -hmm. if you just saw this tree you would never think nebraska but it's um a really important tree in i live in a small town surrounded by other small towns and in these old towns It's the tree of choice around the oldest houses. So people have loved them for a long time. You know, catalpa trees were the favorite of Jay Sterling Morton's wife. I did not know that, but I see why. It was her favorite tree, so that would make sense of why they're in some of those older homes around southeast Nebraska, because I I bet she was out there promoting it. Plant this tree. I bet you're right. Well, as per usual, we have more to talk about than we have time. (laughs) So we will see you all in two weeks with another episode. Yay, we're so excited. Thank you for listening. Make sure to rate and review us. Send us your questions to our email, or you can just go on our website uh, where our Boombox podcast is, and you can record a voice memo. So that's a wonderful thing. And Boombox, Growing Deeper, is a program of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Mm -hmm.